Today on the podcast, I am going to walk you through what I'm personally doing to facilitate fat loss on the road to turning 44. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. I turned 44 July 1st, and I have made it a goal of mine to get as lean as I possibly can, culminating with a photo shoot on June 28th, just for a little bit of accountability, you know, really just to be able to document the process to some degree. Now, if you have listened to my podcast for any period of time, then in all likelihood, you'd realize that I don't talk about myself very much in my podcast. And maybe that's a flaw. The truth of the matter is it's just very uncomfortable for me. I'm generally a pretty humble dude. And so I feel like it's really not relevant what I personally do, what I personally look like. And I do believe firmly that we all should walk the talk And if you've seen any of my previous photo shoots, if you see me in person, if you know me in person, you know I always walk the talk. You know I'm always in great shape, but it's obviously not something that I flaunt. I really want to be known and respected more for the quality of the results that we get other people. Our evidence-based and science-driven process, the fact that we're rooted in academia and we really have a unique way of of getting our clients great results through the science of data collection, the psychology of behavior change, and the art of coaching. And so, like I said, I am always down for a challenge. And so I thought it would be reasonable, and it's been a while since I've challenged myself in any appreciable way in terms of body composition. And I decided, okay, For July 1st, for my 44th birthday, I want to make a concerted effort to get as lean as I possibly can. So what I want to do in this short episode is just kind of walk you through what that process looks like for me, um, the things that I'm doing day in, day out, and really relate this to losing fat over 40 and how things change as we get older. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap things up at the end with just some of the lessons that I take with me every single day that I think will be directly applicable for you. If we were to kind of take a big step back and and from a 30,000 foot view, when we look at, and, and often the marketing is different around fat loss over 40, fat loss over 50, and how things change in our 40s, 50s, and 60s. I, I would say that the reality, just like anything else, is at the end of the day, um, it all comes down to consistency. Um, Obviously, structure matters. Obviously, training, volume, obviously, nutrition matter. Uh, All of those X's and O's matter. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to move the needle the most is having some realistic goals, having a realistic time frame, and just being consistent with the process. And this is really where most people get it wrong. I'll say, especially for men and women, as we start to get older, I think we've tried maybe a number of things. And a certain level of frustration is set in to the degree that either we kind of just want to say, screw it, and we feel like we might be relegated to just being overly fat in perpetuity, 
Or maybe uh, if you're a man and you've tried to put on any appreciable amount of muscle mass uh, over a period of time and you find that you, you feel like you're quote unquote just getting fatter, maybe you haven't really done justice to the process. And so what I'll say is that the road to fat loss over 40 really doesn't look much different than any other age. It's just doing more of the same and really ensuring that we're training smarter and not harder. And I'll kind of talk a little bit about that, especially with respect to me personally, some injuries that I've endured in the past and I'm currently experiencing and maybe uh, infusing a little bit of, of wisdom around that. But I think at the end of the day, when we talk about body composition change, especially as we start to get older, it's important to understand that what we've done in the past matters. And it matters a lot. If you've been strength training like I have since I was 16 years old, then you're going to be a lot more likely and predisposed to maintain lean muscle mass and in all likelihood, uh, minimize body fat gain as you get older. Uh, the amount of time that you stay lean, the fact that if you've never put on too much body fat in the first place is going to make it a lot easier for you to get that much leaner. Your genetics matter a lot. And this is a situation where uh, oftentimes I'll have a conversation with clients and they're like, well, why can't I get bigger calves? Why can't I get a more defined midsection? And the, the answer is, well, you simply need to pick better parents next time. And it, it really is the truth of the matter for many, many people is that our genetics strongly influence how we store body fat, how we gain muscle mass, where we store body fat, where we gain muscle mass, and the degree to which we can lose body fat in certain areas. Now, everyone can lose body fat through adequate nutrition intake, finding an appropriate calorie deficit, managing that deficit in the right way, and obviously exercising in ways that work best for them. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden you're going to be shredded. Some of us are predisposed to being leaner, to having more muscle mass, to generally having more of an aesthetic appeal. Some, some of us simply aren't. And that's really where genetics do come into play. However, that doesn't mean that fat loss isn't very, very reasonable, especially as we age. But the things that continue to influence that body composition change that I think get in the way for the most part that aren't talked about enough and are simply not uh, those sexy needle movers. One, certainly is genetics. Two is, like I said, consistency. People just are not consistent enough with their calorie deficit, with their exercise, and then, of course, with managing sleep and stress. And I would say that stress is one of the major barriers to body composition change that is very, very hard to objectively measure, uh, to have any level of quantitative uh, approach to measuring stress. It's just such a subjective variable, but it literally affects every system and mechanism in the body, from the brain to the gut, to cellular response, to hormonal control, to sleep quality, to blood sugar regulation, and the list goes on and on and on. And so if you are finding yourself, and, and like I said, this in all likelihood is one of the biggest limiting factors, in my opinion, around why people have a hard time getting lean, 
and frankly, why they have a hard time staying on a diet is because of the role that stress plays. And so it's not uncommon for clients and our coaches to have conversations around, listen, on paper, you're doing everything, quote unquote, right. However, the things that we can't manage right now are that you're in shitty relationships. You surround yourself with people that sabotage you. You hate your job and you have a visceral reaction to going to work every single day. How do we measure those stress levels and the implications on hormones and blood sugar regulation and on and on? We don't really. I mean, of course, we can do, you know, diagnostic tests, but at the end of the day is acknowledging, hey, am I generally happy with who I am, with what I'm committing my time to, with the people that I invest my time and energy in, with the people that invest their time and energy in me, right, with the situations that I'm putting myself in? Am I living a happy and healthy existence and honor and appreciate the, the vessel, the body that I'm living in? Because I think when you can start to tap into that, that in and of itself is a major step. And so bringing this back to what I'm doing, why I'm doing this, again, is just challenging myself. I, I strongly and firmly believe that every single coach needs to practice what they preach. And one is that I've always been a product of coaches. And so I have coaches in my life. I have coaches with respect to my business. I have a nutrition coach. Uh, and I have a coach that writes my training programs. That's Ryan Fainley. He's a very well-respected nutrition and performance coach whom I've had writing programs uh, for me for years and years, whom I met through Charles Poliquin. And um, so right now he is helping me with my diet and my training. Do I need help with those things in terms of the theoretical application of the training methodology and nutrition? No. What do I need? I need accountability, just like we all do. And so what that entails is me simply checking in with him on a weekly basis and sending him some metrics around where my calories were, where my macros were, what's happening with my average weight, what's happening with some of my performance metrics, sleep, and just generalized movement, how many steps per day I'm getting in. And I'll walk through kind of what my training methodology looks like here in a little bit, but uh, that way I have accountability. I have structure. I have guidance. I have support so that when things don't go according to plan, which they never do, then I don't have an excuse to say screw it or to rationalize not showing up. Um, and that's also why I booked a photo shoot for the end of this journey is so that I have accountability and I can see the finish line and know what it's going to take to get there. And I'm challenged to be able to do that. And so I believe that all coaches need coaches. That's why all of our coaches have coaches. And that's why I coach all of our coaches and I have coaches myself. It's been a pivotal part of the learning process and it makes me a better coach. It makes me a better person. And, and obviously, it helps our clients get better results as well. When I was approaching this dieting process about four months out, I decided, okay, well, clearly I want to get as lean as possible by July 1st. Now, like I said, I was already in pretty, pretty darn good shape, um, maybe around 10 or 12%, you know, body fat, generally visible abs, like 
most people would look at me and say, you don't need to diet, you don't need to do a physique shoot, whatever, and that's fine. But I know that there's a lot of room for improvement. So it's irrelevant what my starting place is. And if you're listening to this and and you're thinking to yourself, well, because he's already in great shape, this isn't going to apply to me, I'll tell you that you're wrong. Because this is the very reason this isn't going to apply to you, is because regardless of how lean or fat we are, to get started, the same principles apply. The same mindset applies. The same resistance and psychological resistance applies that I've been experiencing to date. So I've got about six weeks left of this cut. And I'll tell you some of the things that I'm experiencing that have made it quite challenging, to be very honest with you. But the way I approached this was not to do anything overly restrictive, nothing too aggressive, The first four weeks, I simply audited myself. And this was even before bringing Ryan into the equation. I just simply started tracking my calories again, which I do on and off all the time. But I wasn't really doing it consistently. I was certainly overeating at times, overdrinking at times. So all I did was simply take three to four weeks to audit myself and say, okay, where is my calorie intake currently? The first couple weeks, I noticed things were adding up around 27 or 2,800 calories. The second two weeks, I said, all right, I'm going to make a concerted effort just to stay at 2,700 calories and make sure that I am adhering to what we call this calorie ceiling, so not eating above 2,700 calories, making sure I'm hitting a protein minimum. And that protein minimum is a gram of a protein per pound of body weight. So I was hitting about 205 to 210 grams of protein a day and just cutting letting fat and carbs fall where they fall as long as I'm staying within that 2,700 calorie ceiling. And what I observed over those first several weeks was that body composition was changing. Weight was slowly trickling down. Things were tightening up. I was starting to feel better. My joints were feeling a little bit better. And... I was sleeping a little bit better. It helps when you remove alcohol, by the way. So I ditched alcohol for the most part. And that was really kind of the the initiation of the process, which I strongly encourage and which is what we do with most of our clients, is instead of feeling like you need to jump right in and cut out all of the things that you enjoy and go crazy with your exercise, what most people would benefit from is just simply auditing their day-to-day. And again, this is where we start with clients. I ramped up my movement, so I was making sure I was hitting 10,000 steps a day. I've been training consistently four days a week for a very, very long time. And so just continuing to train the way I normally would, training intensely in the gym, at which point I brought in Coach Ryan to help structure my training programs and give me a little more guidance and support and accountability around my nutrition. And so after that kind of first month going into Well, I guess around the end of April, because I've probably been in this deficit now for about three weeks. And so we dropped my calories to 2,200 calories. And, um, you know, that's about a 25% decrease, which is very reasonable for a deficit. And uh, so now I'm eating at 2,200 calories, have been for the past few weeks, except for a couple little hiccups this past weekend when we were camping with the family. But that is how I'm. I'm currently leveraging my diet. I'll tell you that with 2,200 calories, uh, and, and I currently weigh about 205 pounds, um, I'm pretty hungry. I'm pretty hungry throughout the day. 
Hey friends, quick pause in this episode for an exciting announcement. I'm thrilled to let you know that we've officially partnered with Fullscript to create our own very high-end quality supplement store. Fullscript is the number one online dispensary for professional-grade supplements. And while we do have our own small retail shop for our Complete Essentials training formula, we're often asked for recommendations when it comes to products outside of those that we carry. Now, as you probably have realized, the internet is the Wild West when it comes to supplements, and it's tough to find many of the best products from a reliable source and at an affordable price. I've heard many stories of people ordering something off Amazon and receive something completely different in the bottle, which can actually be quite dangerous when it comes to nutritional supplements. And so in the BSL Nutrition Fullscript Dispensary, we've hand-selected a few dozen of our personal favorites, and we've broken them into easily searchable categories, including Ben's favorites. Now, the best part of this situation is that due to the buying power of groups, we're able to get you a 15% off retail pricing on the entire catalog of professional products in our shop. These are brands like Designs for Health, Biotics, Research, Biobotanical Research, Microbiome Labs, Seeking Health, and more. So just click on the Join BSL Nutrition Supplement Shop in the show notes to create your free account and place your first order. Orders over $50 receive free shipping on top of our 15% discount on everything. And just so you know, the criteria we use to determine what went into the shop is, is the product something we would recommend and or take ourselves and give to our kids? Is the product of the highest quality? And can we provide a lower cost than is available anywhere else on the web? Now, we sincerely hope this helps you save money and acquire the highest quality products for you and your family. And let's get back to the show. Uh, The way I typically structure my day, sometimes I train early, sometimes I train mid-morning. Sometimes I'll train afternoon. It really kind of depends. And it's a little all over the place right now with the kids' schedule and my work schedule and what fits with my wife's schedule and so on. And so hopefully you can hear that, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. I'm a normal dude just like anyone else. I have a terribly busy schedule. I have a family. We just got a puppy for Christ's sakes. My wife and I work together on the business. We both work from home. And so there's all kinds of fun opportunities, you know, there. But with that said, I do have freedom to choose what I do when I do it. I make it a point to maintain flexibility and freedom with my diet and schedule. And so with that said, it seems to work for me to kind of plug in my training sessions um, when I have blocks of time, but I do make sure to plug them in ahead of time. So I eat around four meals a day, uh, and usually it's around 50 grams of protein per meal. Um, if you follow me on social media, you can see occasionally I'll post what some of my meals look like, but generally it's, you know, egg whites with, um, leftover ground beef or steak or ham or turkey, um, in a, like an egg white omelet for breakfast with maybe a, some, some blueberries. Meal two might be a post-workout shake, 30 to 50 grams of whey protein, possibly with some juice post-workout if it's a lower body training day. One of the things, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in, in peri-workout nutrition, but because my calories are so low uh, and because I'm getting really hungry throughout the day and having a hard time managing my calories at night, especially when the kids have snacks around and not eating too late at night, that I'm trying to bank enough calories 
for later on in the day so that I can still eat enough food, um, not go to bed too hungry, and still be able to enjoy myself a little bit, frankly. So I kind of play around with my peri-workout nutrition. Lunch is usually uh, meat and rice, so ground beef, steak, rice, chicken, rice, potato. Uh, and dinner really is the same. I'll throw in the vegetables here and there, zucchini, asparagus, cauliflower, broccoli, sauerkraut, and then have some fruit as snacks and apple, berries, banana around my workout usually. And then maybe for dessert, I'll have a like a healthy choice fudge bar or, uh, you know, like a mini kind bar or some uh, low sugar chocolate chips or something I'll sprinkle into some Greek yogurt. Uh, something like that. You know, what I'm really struggling with here that I think you might find interesting is one is just the hunger of really trying to figure out my schedule. And what I'm starting to play around with is, I guess, pushing my first meal back a little bit later in the day so that I can create a tighter window with my calorie intake and not be so hungry. I'm willing to be hungrier earlier on in the day and manage it just with some coffee and making sure I'm moving around a lot and doing my work and then having that first meal around maybe 10 or 11 or 12 so that I can eat more and maybe just have three square meals between 11 and 6 or 7 p.m. Uh, Again, so that I'm not so hungry in between. But when I train early, it's hard because that really does ramp up my hunger. So anyways, that's one of the things I'm experiencing right now and I think that that's fine. Um, it's part of the process of just enjoying and acknowledging that, not enjoying, but acknowledging that hunger is part of the fat loss process. With that said, I'm seeing scale trickling down. I've hit as low as 202. I started around 207, 208, but I do tend to fluctuate a couple pounds on a daily basis depending on what I eat, when I eat, whether it was the weekend, whether I had a glass of wine or more dessert or something like that. But I think it's important to acknowledge I still fit those things in. Okay, so let's talk training and cardio. Uh, So like I said, I train four days a week, two upper sessions, two lower sessions. My first two sessions of the week are geared more towards bigger lifts and hitting some personal records in some lifts. Years ago, Coach Ryan created kind of a menu of exercises for me. And we just toggle through this menu, everything ranging from six rep max to 30 rep maxes for given exercises. So it could be six rep max barbell front squat. It could be 30 rep max push up. It could be 20 rep dumbbell Romanian deadlift. It could be 15 rep prone incline dumbbell row. You name it. I've got a whole menu of exercises and we just alternate through the rep ranges for each of these each of these lifts, depending on the lift, obviously the more neurologically challenging, the more that each of these exercises challenges your nervous system. So let's say like a barbell front squat, a barbell back squat, a back squat with chains, a front squat with chains, a banded back squat. Typically those exercises are going to be a little bit lower rep ranges just because they're more neurologically demanding. The exercises that are going to be higher rep ranges, things like dips, push-ups, hamstring curls, uh, horizontal back extension, incline back extension, those types of things. Maybe a, a goblet squat, a lunge, all of those can be higher rep ranges. And so first two days of the week, I will choose a couple upper body exercises and just try and PR on those. Uh, the lower body day, I'll choose two lower body exercises and try and PO the, PR those in addition to maybe some calves and abs. The second two days, 
of the week, we're really just kind of rotating through some typical hypertrophy type training with higher volume around 24 sets per workout. Um, just playing around with some different exercise and, and set and rep schemes that uh, will keep things adapting and, and keep the stimulus. And so I'm enjoying that very much. However, I did strain my low back pretty good uh, in the gym last week. And so I'm struggling right now. And this is really where having a coach and having uh, the support comes into play. Because uh, again, being very transparent with you guys. So we went camping this weekend and I was getting really hungry, really irritable with my current diet. The plan was to have a refeed on Sunday for Mother's Day. Um, And we planned to shoot for probably around 1,000 extra calories. So I'm normally eating 2,200. The plan was to have around 3,200 calories for the day, about four-fifths of those calories. So about 800 of those calories coming from more carbohydrate. What actually happened um, with the camping is I ended up digging into the wine. Uh, I made a mistake of actually bringing alcohol. And so I had more wine. More wine led to more desserts. So then we had, you know, Oreos and s'mores. And I didn't go crazy, but I certainly had more than 2,200 calories worth. And so that ended up being three days in a row of significantly more calories than what was on the plan. So I ditched the refeed day and just acknowledged and kind of said, you know, let Coach Ryan know what the deal was. No big deal. Get back on plan. But of course, I threw my back out as well. So I was struggling with that and kind of got a case of the efforts this weekend of just feeling down on myself, which was silly. But again, we all do it. Just being like, you know, what does it matter? Screw it. I don't care. And then, of course, coming back and acknowledging, okay, not a big deal. Made a mistake. Could have made better decisions. I don't regret it. It's a good learning opportunity. Let's move forward. That's one of the things I'm struggling with. The other thing I'm struggling with is eating out with the family, especially at night, especially if I'm consuming more calories earlier on in the day. And so just really having that self-control and discipline, which really is the hardest part of this process, if I'm being honest with you. And I think that's where we make such a concerted effort to meet our, meet our clients where they are, of understanding what their lifestyle looks like, what their responsibilities entail, what do they like to do and enjoy, and what do they want to be able to enjoy through this process. Because if Coach Ryan told me at no point could I drink alcohol, at no point could I have any sugar, that you know I had to eat the set meal plan there's no way I would follow it. I just know myself well enough, and I've been doing this long enough to know that most people are the same way. Psychologically, anytime we feel restricted, then we're going to want to resist against that uh, restriction. And so we make a concerted effort to ensure that you know you can have whatever you want, but you have to take responsibility and ownership over it. Uh, so my back's been a limiting factor here. My plan of attack is really just to get some soft tissue work done, to get what I can done in the gym, to continue to adhere to my diet as tightly as possible, and to just continue to create as much structure, planning, and preparation as possible. And those are the same conversations that we have with all of our clients. There's really nothing fancy about this process. So much of what's happening right now is, is the struggle between my ears of mentally committing to the process, 
of making sure and, and, and really talking myself off the ledge every single day of, is the juice worth the squeeze? And, and this is what everyone goes through of, of saying, listen, this is kind of going to suck. There's nothing fun about dieting. There's nothing fun about fat loss. And anyone who tells you differently is flat out lying to you. I, I do believe that it's imperative that we have flexibility and freedom in a dieting protocol. It means, yes, you can have what you want within reason. Can I go have a piece of cheesecake? Can I go have a glass of wine? Can I go have a handful of Oreo cookies? Yes, of course I can have anything I want, but also understanding if and when I have those things, it means I need to adjust the rest of my intake for the day, which might mean I'm not able to consume very much food. If I have 2,200 calories and I consume 700 calories worth of cookies, which by the way is not hard to do, or one real glass of wine, which is going to be around 200 calories, and then what, maybe four or five Oreo cookies, that's like probably a little bit more than 500 calories right there. So that means that I'm going to have to carve that out of my existing 2,200 calorie intake, which means I'm left with, what, 1,700 calories for the whole rest of the day. And so I think you can understand that while I do have flexibility to choose those things, most days I don't choose those things because I would rather eat real food so that I can actually be satisfied and not be a grumpy a-hole around my family. But this is part of the real-world process, which is also why I wanted to share it with you, because I'm just a regular dude, uh, just like you. These are the, these are the things that we're going to struggle with when we're going down the, the dieting uh, rabbit hole. So a few lessons um, that I've gleaned throughout my journey here. One is that there's always room for improvement. And that's the way that I like to look at things. This past weekend, I'm not proud of my eating and drinking behaviors, but it helps me continue to acknowledge that it's a slippery slope for me. And I need to make concerted and conscious efforts around expectations when I put myself in those situations. Okay, I know what my behaviors are at this point, having done this long enough, and yet I still struggle with these same things. And I hope for you, it's reassuring to know that some, with someone as, ex, as much experience, and all of our coaches go through this stuff too. We are not some anomaly. We are not some perfect human being. We go through all of this stuff. We all have kids. We all get it. And so there's always room for improvement as long as we acknowledge what we could be doing better, what we could be doing better. And so for me, it's going to be making sure I've set myself up for success or just rearrange the diet next time so that I have a little more flexibility over the weekend. All good. Within that same vein, failures are powerful lessons, and, and I'll call them failures for lack of a better term, but there's no such thing as failure as long as we leverage it as a learning opportunity. And so for me, sure, this weekend was a good example. Some of the snacks that I choose to consume when I've already hit all my calories at night, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for a handful of, of grapes, or I'm going to have one of those little chocolate bars, or I'm going to steal some of my kids' pretzels, or whatever. Again, not a big deal at all, but I'm serious about this process. So every time I do those things, I'm inadvertently setting myself back. And that's obviously not something I want to do. I'm breaking promises to myself. When we talk about failures, we talk about in the gym of, you know, tweaking my back and knowing on that last set of front squats, my ego just got a little 
uh, a little too big for what I could handle. And I knew that if I were to push it, while I might be able to hit a new PR, I might set the stage for disaster knowing my back at this point. And sure enough, I went for it anyways, like I've done many, many times in my life. And now I'm paying the repercussions. Now I'm paying the price for it, which is going to set me back by a few weeks. So I'll do what I can um, in the gym and just kind of accept that that's the way she goes. One of the things that I find extreme value in is my morning routine and making sure that I win my morning. Am I getting up on time? Am I getting the things done that I've committed to? Am I going for my walk? Am I getting in a training session? Am I making sure I'm fueling myself appropriately? I'm a firm believer in the saying, win your morning, win your day. And so if you are having a hard time finding structure in your day, because so much of this does revolve around structure and consistency and repetition and routine, then I'd strongly encourage you to first and foremost figure out what your morning routine looks like and start to own that, which starts with going to bed on time the night before. One of the things that's important is to always embrace challenge. My wife and I were going for a walk this morning, and she's like, why are you doing this? Because, you know, you're talking about how you're hungry all the time, and you're kind of miserable. And to be fair, I'm, I'm not really miserable, and I know I'm, I'm bitching about some of this stuff, but it is what it is. Um, but you know, I expressed to her, like I said to you guys at the beginning of this conversation, is that it's really important for me that I put myself in a situation where I know what it's like to experience all of the nuances and the challenges that come from this dieting process, from pushing ourselves in the gym, from trying to be consistent, from doing what it is that I say I'm going to do, from being a busy father and business owner and still getting in my training sessions and committing to my nutrition because who would I be as a coach if I expected these things from my clients and I didn't uphold these in my own life? And this is something I observe quite a lot in this industry. This is me doing my part, doing my diligence to challenge myself. And while there might be some level of misery that comes along with challenge, I think it's a, it's a really positive sacrifice because they're going to help us continue to grow. And then above all else, I believe in just putting as much effort as possible in. Um, I say effort over everything. And this is where I believe that it is not hard for us to differentiate ourselves from most people. Simply working just a little bit harder, putting in a little more effort around what? Going to bed on time waking up on time, turning Netflix off, eating more fruits and vegetables and less processed food, eating more protein, managing your meals more frequently, minimizing your snacks, getting out and getting an extra one, two, three thousand steps per day, structuring in your workouts, surrounding yourself with positive people that are going to lift you up instead of tear you down. Like all of these things, just putting in a little more effort every single day and before you know it, you will have greatly separated yourself from most normal people. And remember, normal here in America is Homer Simpson. So if you're trying to lose body fat, if you're trying to get stronger, if you're trying to get healthier, if you're trying to live longer, if you're just trying to feel better and have more energy, if you don't love what you see in the mirror, you don't have the confidence to know that you are walking the talk, if you want to show up in a bigger and better way, if you want the people around you to respect you and look up to you, your employees, 
your friends, your family members, your community to set a better example for your kids, then simply put in more effort, right? The information is all around us. And I realize it can be confusing and contradictory, which is where, listen, I'm giving you this information for free. If you want help, just reach out. I'm happy to help. Do whatever it takes to help you move the needle. And if it means working together, then I'll suggest working together. If there's anything we can do to support you to get the needle moving on your own, then we're happy to do that. You're listening to this podcast. That's a great first step. So effort over everything. Just figure out what you can do to start to separate yourself from average. Average is the enemy. And so that's just a little glimpse into my journey of fat loss over 40 as I approach 44 here on July 1st, making it my leanest, strongest, healthiest year yet. And hopefully me sharing this journey with you is helpful to some degree. If it is, do me a favor, leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Screenshot this episode and share it on social and tag at BSL Nutrition. And of course, if you want any help uh, in your fat loss journey, then don't be afraid to reach out. You can email me directly, ben at bslnutrition.com, or you can just click on the link in the show notes to grab a free strategy call so we can chat about uh, where you are now, where you want to go, what's getting in the way, and whether we have the tools to help you bridge that gap. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 